Have you ever wanted to connect with someone, but you stopped yourself? Excuses to Connect is a podcast about actively creating the conditions that make meaningful connections easier. In other words, you can make excuses to connect. Join me, Richard Lee Tai, as I have conversations with experts, friends, and strangers on their struggles and successes when it comes to human connections. As a listener, I hope that you can take these insights and find excuses to connect with more people. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life. Welcome to episode 15 of the Excuses to Connect podcast. As we go into mid-October, something that was very evident to me this week was how much I've changed. If I think back to the person I was five years ago or even one year ago, I realized that many things have occurred and impacted who I am. This included graduating from university, taking a coaching program, doing a TEDx talk, starting a podcast, meeting strangers on a regular basis, joining Toastmasters, investing in my personal development, and so on. Experiences shape people, but rather than just being an idle bystander to whatever life throws at you, you also have the ability to set your intention and direct your own path. This was the case for my guest today. Thais Despon moved to Canada from France with the dream of starting a life here. However, her plans were drastically changed as shortly after she arrived, the pandemic hit. She had no job for months and was feeling pretty useless, but she decided to put together a project that would give her a sense of purpose and hopefully help those around her as well. She created the Nomad Videographer Project, where she would produce promotional videos for local businesses in exchange for a place for her to sleep. She ended up working with 10 businesses across four different provinces. This is an amazing story, and I'm excited to have her share it on the podcast. This is the Nomad Videographer Project with Thais Despont. Well, hello, Thais. It's a pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So I found you through a post on the Yes Theory Fam Facebook group about your Nomad Videographer Project. So I'm wondering if you could tell listeners uh, the story behind this project. Yes. So the Nomad Videographer Project is... Uh, so. First of all, I'm a videographer, and so I am French, as you can tell by my accent, and I used to live in Canada in Toronto for a year and a half, and I did that project that I called Nomad Videographer Project, where I would travel across Canada right after the pandemic to help local businesses that suffered from the pandemic, and my only tool was my camera to help them, so I would make videos for them in exchange for just a place to sleep. Videos are quite expensive, like for people who don't really know like it's quite expensive to have an advertisement being made so paying for a place to sleep was quite cheaper for them mm-hmm. and I know part of it too was that you had moved to Canada or Toronto specifically with the intention of starting your life here but that sort of uh, didn't happen because the pandemic so I'm wondering if you could touch on that point too yeah that's kind of a more intimate thing that I shared on the Yes Theory post, but it was a tough year for a lot of people. For me, I had that dream of moving to Canada for a very long time, since I was like 18. Mm -hmm. And I finally took that decision. It's random when you get picked for a visa in France for that specific kind of visa. And I got picked, which made me really happy. And I left France and like basically a week after it was COVID and it was very confusing. I was still in my Airbnb. It was just a very confusing time Mm because I 
was far from my family, far from my friends. And I think I was, I was already dealing with the fact that the reality of moving into a new country was different from what I was expecting, just because I was pushing myself so hard to live France mm-hmm. that I didn't really take into account everything that that would mean, like losing my friends and starting all over again after like 20 years of life in France. And so I was already dealing with that. And when the pandemic hit, it was just like another layer of things to have to deal with that I wasn't prepared for. So yeah, so that's the story. But then, you know, I I pushed through. I had an internship when I first started. So I was lucky to have that. Hmm. I had a six month internship. Then it was really hard because I was supposed to get hired by their internship and they didn't hire me. So I had to find a job. It was pretty tough. I took it took like a few months for me to find something. And I was a really bad boss when I found it. And that's the atmosphere in which the, the project was uh, born. It's just like I needed a reason to stay in Canada and to keep pushing and something to mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, a drive to to stay a little bit longer. Right. Well, it sounds like you've been through a lot, <laughs> like a lot of things that you weren't expecting when you came to Canada. Yes. I mean, everyone has been through a lot everyone has it's always interesting to see different experiments but for me it was being away from my family mm-hmm. and yeah that was right. what I had to deal with yeah so with this project where you reached out to all these businesses in exchange for them giving you a place to stay uh while you shot them these promotional videos what was the process like for you to reach out to these businesses it was a very very long process it, it was all new to me like I, I never mm-hmm done that before even reaching out to clients I've never done it before usually people uh, come to me I have a very like small uh, network of people it's mostly musicians and friends for some reason classical musicians so I've never really like reached out right so and at first I started by drafting emails trying to explain my project it's, it's hard for me to explain because at that time I had no idea the project was going to happen I was just doing it because I felt like I needed to start something, but in the back of my head, I'm like, it's never going to happen anyway. So, (laughs) you know, I was just doing it and be like, maybe last minute, I'm just going to give up, you know, but at least I was trying. And so it it took like a whole year to, before I I, I made the trip. So it took a whole year of preparation. Mm -hmm. It, It was for different reasons. First, I needed to find all the businesses and just like, I think it's what we, we call that cold calling in in, uh, the business like yeah Yeah. so it was kind of that because I was reaching out to people that I didn't know from anywhere that you know it was just people that I found online I would go online I took a map of Canada I decided which cities that were interesting to me because of course it was also a a trip for me so I needed to go to places that were interesting and it was nice to be able to travel in my head a little because we were in quarantine at that time So I picked different places that seemed interesting. I talked to my roommates to see what places they liked in Canada. And I made a list. And then I just, on Google, I just started typing like small local businesses in that city and then small local businesses in that city. Mm -hmm. And I started like an Excel sheet. I love Excel. (laughs) I love Excel sheets. I have like a bunch of Excel sheets for everything. And so I started, you know that too? (laughs) And so I started like listing everything that I found, the website, their email address and what something special that maybe made a connection between me and them, because I was really trying to reach out to businesses that really like spoke to me in a way. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see that in the end, all the businesses that reached out was, were like my favorite ones. It's, it's so interesting because I think we were just vibing on the same kind of, you know, like uh, same wavelength. Yes. 
So that was the first step. And that took like a while to send all of these, those emails. Like I must have sent like hundreds of emails and I would get like one response every 20 emails maybe. But it, it, it's what kept me going. It's like, mm-hmm. I would get one good response email and I would be like, okay, I'm going to do more. I'm going to do another city. I'm going to try and find more businesses. And then I would get one response that would be like, please stop spamming me. Because some people told me that, like, please stop spamming me. Like, get me out of your email list. And I was like, this is a personalized email. Like, I just, <laughs> I found you online and I'm real. Right. Like, you know, a lot of people also told me that. And then I would be mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm giving up the project. No one wants to participate. <laughs> so it was really up and down during that whole year. And I was working on the side. But then it started becoming more real when the COVID restrictions started to, to lift. Because of course, that was another uh, thing is that I had to rush for the vaccine. I was actually like in line for five hours to get my second dose, just because for the project to happen, I really needed to get that vaccine Mm -hmm. early on. And once I got the vaccine, it became even more real because they were like the, the, the travel restriction were lifted. I got my vaccine. I had already like maybe eight or nine businesses. And then it was just like, I think you say word word to mouth in English. Yeah. Word to mouth. So like a lot of businesses just talk to other businesses and then they reached out to me. So I was able to complete my list and to get to the number of 10, which was awesome. But to be honest, I didn't pick any of them. It was just like all the people that reached out to me. Wow. So, so yeah. And then it's the trip, but uh, that was the preparation process. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that you pushed through, especially getting all those emails that said no or stop bothering yes it was hard it was tough (laughs) especially when you don't know if it's going to happen for yourself you're just like you don't really know what would what would help me too is that I would do a zoom call every time someone would say I'm interested I would be like okay let's book a call and let's talk through the details and so I would feel like there's already a connection and some people I really got along with and so that's how it felt a little bit more real. And then when I did right before the trip was sending them contracts just mm. because I know it's, it's not paid because they didn't pay me per se, but sometimes they had to reimburse the hotel, unfortunately, because not everyone was able to host me in their house. Right. So, so yeah, they, I would have to send the, the contract and they would have to like reimburse me and signed, you know, just to protect myself and be like, even if you don't want to do the video right at the end, like you still need to provide for the housing because for me it's like a one month trip and there's so many variables and I was really scared because if one thing is different from what I planned then everything you know is not in the right order anymore I was scared about every plane I was taking you know it's it was so tight like the 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 time I had was so short that if one thing messed up then everything was it would be a mess but I'm lucky because I didn't do that yeah (laughs) but yeah uh, so in these 10 videos that you did, I'm wondering if there was a uh, most memorable experience or story you had. The two projects that come to my mind are, of course, the glacier. I think it's the one I posted on uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. The glacier is more for the video I was able to produce. I'm really proud of how it turned out. And um, it was an amazing experience. Just I, I've, I've never been like... I've never put those uh, spikes on your shoes and go like walking on ice. Like I've, I've never, it, it, it was so strange to me. It was so new yeah. and it was beautiful. And I definitely felt a, a connection with nature that I never felt before. And I know it sounds a little bit cheesy or I don't know, but it's, it, it was, it, it was life-changing, I think. Cause just 
-hmm. just seeing it. And because it's something that I don't really show in the video, even if I think some people can see it through uh, an environmental lens to the video, but uh, it's melting so fast. They have like those big tubes that they put in the ice to um, measure how much it's Mm -hmm. melting every year. And there was like, maybe I, I would say like, two meters of that a tube do you say tube in english yeah yes okay <laughs> the, of that tube coming out and i was like oh my god is that like since i don't know uh you know the 19th century or something and they were like no it's actually from like it was uh the, the top of the tube was like from july 31st and it was two meters wow. and we mm-hmm. were there in like august in the middle of august right and it's just like, it was just very crazy. It's the speed at which it's melting is very, it makes you realize, you know, you see it, you know, you see mm-hmm. it melting in front of you. So that was definitely one of the experiences that I really enjoyed. And I tried to put it a little bit in, in the editing that I did of the video. The video and, was uh, very pretty. <laughs> oh, I thank loved you. it. Like it's... how the music matched up with the visuals. Oh, thank you. It's actually, it's interesting because... I edited it in the plane and uh, I had two music that I had in mind, but they were classical music and classical musics are really hard, hard to blend together. Mm. Uh, but I re- I tried that at one point to be like, maybe at that point I can blend them together and go from um, one music to another. And it worked. And I was like, it worked because I was in the plane. There were so many noises around. I'm sure like I'm going to land. I'm going to listen to it again. And I'm going to be like, okay, it doesn't work. And then I listened to it again. And I, I sent it to friends. And I was like, do you like the transition? Like, do you hear anything weird? And they were like, no, I like it. And I was like, oh my God, it's so cool. So I actually used two different music in, in, in that video. And yeah, it's beautiful music. You know, I have a subscription to like a library and it's so easy for videographers to find the music they like on it. So that's pretty nice but yeah and it's it's also in uh festivals so right now for the little story mm-hmm. those guys so they they're called ice walks they're the guys that are the company that run tours in the glacier so that's for them that i did the video mm-hmm. they really like the video which is i'm so grateful that they like the video because even if it's a beautiful video i feel like it's not the best promotional video because it it is it is very pretty and it shows the glacier but when people just scroll through on Instagram, I'm not sure this is what they would stop, you know, to, to mm-hmm. look on, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but they were so happy with the video. They insist, they insisted on like giving me some money afterwards. And so what I did is I, I, I took the money and I put it back into festivals. So I actually used the money to um, uh, send my film to different festivals and see if it could like be interested for some people. Cause it's also almost like a short film. Like it's, right. It's not an advertisement anymore, almost. And and I won a prize, and oh, awesome. I have one prize, and have like one honorable mention, which means that I was not selected, but I still have an honorable mention. And I was just selected to another festival like yesterday, so I'm really happy it's working like well. And I, you know, it was it was not supposed to be the type of video that would go into festival, but that's pretty nice. But yeah, so that was the the project that I think like um, impacted me uh, so much. And just the other one that I quickly want to talk about is the one that I did in uh, Jasper. I worked with the Friends of Jasper National Park, and they're also like very involved with with nature. They take care of um, trails and safety uh, for everyone visiting Jasper. And they just took me with them. And I was, you know, they 
uh, took me to different places and showed me around. And I was very lucky because it was one of those business that also allowed me to visit at the same time that I was filming. Mm. So I went to a lot of different places and it felt nice to be with someone and not just by myself to visit things during that trip. Because it was a very lonely trip. Like I was, I was by myself most of the time, you know? So, so that was a good, a good portion of my trip that I really liked. Yeah, I actually, I'm not too far from Jasper. I live in Calgary. And I think one of the locations you pass by Calgary as well, so. <laughs> yes, I've been in Calgary. It's one of the city, Calgary is one of the city where I didn't have time to see anything. Oh. At the end of my trip, I was just so tired right. and I was just working and not seeing anything. I wish I had. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, if you ever come back to Calgary, I can show you around. <laughs> yeah, 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 I would love that. So from this project, what what do you feel like you learn from doing this? Either like you learn about yourself or like learn more about Canada. I feel like I learned so much. It was an interesting project on so many points of view. Um, like per- personally, it was very interesting because I've been locked in the house for a year and it was like coming out of that shell and just, it was, and it was, it felt good to uh, see other things. And then on a more professional level, I would say it brought me more experience for sure. And I mean, I have to think about that too. I didn't think about it when I was creating the project, but my portfolio is so much better. And I'm I'm lucky because I worked for businesses that are so interesting. And so maybe that means I'm going to attract businesses that also are interesting in the future. Yes. Right. You know, like, because I worked with a lot of sustainable food businesses Mm -hmm. and zero waste food businesses. And, you know, it was just... So it was very inspiring and I, I wish I'm going to attract other businesses like that because that's the kind of business I want to help. And the other thing I think is, of course, I discovered Canada and I, I discovered different mindsets than Torontonians, which was uh, nice to see because Canada is so wide. So everyone mm-hmm. is a little bit different. And it was just very inspiring to see all of those people and all of those initiatives and, you know, hear about their struggles too, because we would talk about that too. And I think that's also why right now I'm, I had to take a break and come back to France for a little bit because I feel like I need so much time to assimilate everything I've been through in that yeah. month because it was so rich and packed so tightly in, in like one month. Mm-hmm. And right now it made me question so many things. I don't know what I want to do with my life anymore. I'm just like, I'm inspired by so many different jobs and different, you know, ideas that it's like, it's a lot to assimilate, but right. in a good way, I think, in a good way. It made me more open to other things, I think. Yeah. Well, as you said, it was like a life changing experience to, to go on this trip and see all these things. So yeah, I would understand why your mind is filled with so many different ideas now. Yeah, I mean, maybe I need. I didn't even process the trauma from pandemic yet, too. Mm, like, it's just, right. it's, it's, it was layered. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm curious on what inspired you to get to video making in the first place. It's funny because someone else from uh, Yesterday reached out to me and asked me that same question. Like, uh, they asked me, why d- did you want to become a videographer? Yeah. And it's so interesting because... I was never asked that question and I never felt like I chose to become a videographer. It just happened. Mm. (laughs) So it's like at one point I was like, I asked my dad for a camera and I started filming my chickens in my old house and then I never stopped. And 
here we are, but it's been a long road and I've been making videos like even in, in high school. And, and I, I know it took me a while to realize I could make a job out of it. Like at first I was, you know, like that time where you're trying to decide what you want to do after high school. And mm-hmm. at some point someone said like, why don't you do video? And I was like, oh my God, that's such a good idea. Like I've been doing this for so long and I never thought it would be a possibility. So yeah, and I almost gave up at times. Maybe it's something that I kind of want to talk about on the podcast too, but I was bullied for making videos at my high school, not in a very bad way, but you know, some people would post the link of my videos and I would get like hateful comments. And it's really hard to see how kids are so hard on people that are trying to do something creative or something that's different. It's, and it's still happening because I, I still see it happen. And it's just so weird. Like, because, you know, you're being creative. It's like you should, you should keep going. And it's just the phenomenon that happens among young kids at school. But yeah, now I've, I've pushed through and I got the encouragement of some people and, you know, just kept going and. What I, I don't know, I don't even know what I like with videography. That's the worst thing. It's like, it's like when I edit, I don't even know what happens. It's just, I, I, I wouldn't be able to explain editing to someone, for example. Like, I mean, I would be able to explain the technical, like how to use the software. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I put that shot before that shot, and then I put that music a little bit lower than that part of the music. And then like all those little choices. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know how to explain them. It's just, I, I feel like it's the way it's supposed to be. And I like doing it too. Like, it's something that I can like just, uh, like, it's the only activity I can do for 12 hours nonstop and just like keep going. I guess in some way, maybe that's that's my tool for the future. And that's what I'm trying to figure out right now, like what I want to do next. But yeah, I feel like editing is definitely, I wouldn't say a gift that I have, but something I've been working on a lot since I was a child. Luckily, I don't know why, but I've been working on it a lot. And so it's definitely something I should be using because it's such a powerful tool too. Like everyone uses videos those days. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you had this this bullying experience when you're younger because my background is in classical music actually. So it's funny that you've, (laughs) you've done classical music videos. Yeah, I think anyone that are in the arts field or with film, it's like, I think it's something that should be celebrated. I, I don't see why people would, you know, hate on it because you've spent so much time and effort um, to put it out into the world. Like, I, I'm sure like creating just like a five minute video requires hours and hours of editing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think it's because when you start, you're not good, you know, and so people pick at that, but it's normal to not be good when you first start. And what, what the instrument were you playing? I play the flute. Oh, the flute. Oh my God, I love the flute. Yeah. That's awesome. How are people who play instruments, are they like the cool kids in the school or not really? Oh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I guess it depends because, I mean, I was in music when I was in high school, but also music in university. So in high school, I mean, I spent a lot of time with the other music students. <laughs> so we, we, we hung out in the music room. So I don't know if we were the cool kids or not, but we had a community there for sure. Yes. I think it was very similar in university too, where all the music kids would hang out with each other. So I had a good time. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that, I, I, see, I see what you mean. I think this is what I found when I went to cinema school. Then you found yeah. other, you find other people like you. I mean, before cinema school, I did like a technical camera and light school and there was a bunch of people making videos too. And I didn't feel as weird anymore. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, because once you find the 
same people that are interested in the things you are, then it's it's not weird. <laughs> yeah, it's easier. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to explore this aspect too of, since my podcast is about connections and like how people build connections, I'm wondering how you think videography helps build connections. Because, I mean, you reach out to all these businesses, you shoot all these different videos. So I'm just curious how it helps build connections. Yeah, it's, I think this question is very interesting because um, when you say connection, the thing that pops in my head is when I actually film someone, like it's not the process of reaching out, it's more like when someone is in front of my camera, yeah. I feel like it's, it's, it's pretty intimate and you don't really realize it, but you know, I'm giving them advices and I'm like, sometimes I'm, because we had to shoot so um, fast, sometimes I would just be like, stop, start over, you know, like I'm not scared of brushing them a little bit or like being like very strict about what I want and what we yeah. need for the video to happen. And that creates, you know, because I'm also laughing at the same time, but that creates kind of an intimacy where, you know, we're both working together towards the same goal. And mm -hmm. uh, for some of the businesses that I had to work with, they didn't really have, uh, weren't used to being in front of a camera. So that creates a lot of connection, I think, to um, just the back and forth talking when we make videos and then showing them, oh my God, th this is the best part of my trip was when I was able to show them the result in person and see how like happy they were and satisfied. Yeah. And just even one business, um, he showed up to help another business that I was, I was helping because they're friends mm -hmm. and he was showing the video I just edited to like everyone. He was like, oh, look what she just made to me. And I was filming another video just right next to it, but it just made me so happy to see. Um, and that's sometimes, that's something that we don't really see as videographers when you work for that client or that client in, in everyday life, just because it's like very corporate and right. very, you know, just send a video and they come back at you with like a hundred modification as always. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was a little bit better. And also like what was nice with that project, it was really about trust. Because even if I had a contract, it was like there was this trust of like, you're not going to ask too much of me and I'm not going to ask too much of you, but like, we have to find, we're working together on that project and we only mm -hmm. have three days per project to do it. And we're both working towards that goal. So there's no like extra changes. There's no coming at, like sending me an email after two weeks asking for more modification. Like that doesn't exist. And also like I'm posting the videos as soon as they're edited. And sometimes, you know, I had to tell people no, but uh, I was always with a smile and people were always understanding because it's the game. Like it was the game and the challenge of the project and they had to agree to the challenge of the project. Yeah, so that was a lot of trust involved in that project, I think, which made the connections easier. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you're the first videographer that I've really talked to. So it's interesting to see it that this, this sort of world, because yeah, I can imagine that it gets a bit, tiring to get all these requests for changes <laughs> but then seeing the actual product for your work and people being very happy and excited about it yeah this is the worst part of videographers that when you work in the normal world the first edit is yours so you do your first edit and it's like art because sometimes it's art but it's your art your vision mm -hmm. and you send it and at that point you have to agree like you have to be aware that it's it's not your project anymore the video is not going to be yours anymore it's going to be changed they're going to change the rhythm. They're going to ask for a change of music. They're going to like shift it around. Like, I feel like 
and I was what I was really trying to do through the project was recreating the conversation that was broken between the videographer and the business. Because mm. I think videographers sometimes have a better vision than the, the business itself in some ways. Like we don't know anything about marketing or your brand, but we do know sometimes what works visually, what works with the music. And sometimes when you are in a very corporate environment and professional environment, this discussion between the videographer and the business doesn't happen because it's just like if they ask for it, then you have to do it. Like it's too, it's too much energy to fight with them. And so you just learn to give up on your idea and your uh, vision and just like be like, okay, you do whatever you want and I will just be your hands and I would I would do whatever you ask me for. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sad, you know, because in the end, I, I'm, I'm very lucky that every business participating in the project completely trusted me with the, the, the art direction. No, I wouldn't say that, but like with the idea of the video and even like one experience that was interesting is they make cookies in Vancouver mm. and the man running says grainable he's very controlling but in a good way like he's a good boss you can tell but because it's so controlling I think he has a hard time trusting like other professionals he works with so when we were shooting he would be like okay we are going to shoot that intro and then we're going to shoot that and are you going to shoot that and I was like okay I have my own idea for the video but we're going to shoot it and then I will see if we can do what what I had in mind and so we shoot we shot everything he wanted to shoot and then at the end I sent him a video that was completely different from what he had in mind and he really liked it and so I was like that's so good and he was actually happy that the intro wasn't used and you know he was like it feels good to be able to trust professional and to not have to handle everything at the at the at the same time so it's a good lesson like I don't know if there's anything I would like to say to any people running businesses is like trust the professionals you work with and trust Mm -hmm. the artists to work with because I think we tend to forget that videographers are a little bit artists too sometimes when you do editing so it's it's important you can't just take the violin of a musician and be like no you should play that note like this you know <laughs> no that makes sense right because I'm, yeah, talking, yeah, for sure. I'm saying that because you're a musician but <laughs> no I, I I totally agree with this message like and yes I, I consider video making art like you were spending so much time crafting and putting it together as you said like spending 12 hours at a time so yeah yeah. so yeah so I I know you've sort of mentioned that you're in this part of your life now where you're trying to figure out what's next and assimilate and process everything that you've gone through I mean do you have any sort of ideas of what you would want to do next so I'm exploring a few options I don't want a full-time job that's the main thing I know and I realized during the past year but I'm really trying to learn more about the climate right now. It's been on the back of my mind like for so long, like being mm-hmm. involved and trying to be conscious of my impact ecologically. But um, it's the first time I'm actually doing the work of researching and reading and reaching out to people to know more. Because I work on set on the side. So I'm a videographer, but I also work on set as an assistant director. I mean, like for now, it's like third AD, it's called, but I want to be a first AD, which is like all the logistics of of the shooting and planning and everything. And I'm really uh, concerned about the impact of movie shoots on the planet, just Mm. because no one cares on a movie shoot. It's done so like in a rush and everyone is already so stressed and we have to make sure that the movie is the way the director wants it and doesn't spend too much money. And I think 
it's really hard to get people to be conscious about their waste and everything. So I'm actually looking into that role that's called eco-manager, which is someone mm-hmm. that is in charge on the movie set to make sure that, you know, we have the less impact on the environment. <clears throat> and that's something I'm interested in. And the other thing, which is, I guess, a project that I'm working on is that my best friend lives in Annecy, which is a city, the beautiful city next to Switzerland, but it's still in France. And they're doing a little competition of movies about circuit, circuit court, which is like short circuits. And it's basically when mm. the producer of, of food or uh, meat is like right next to where he sells it. So like we get rid of any intermediary people. Do you say intermediary? Like yeah. people in the middle, you know, like to make sure that we have less impact uh, on the environment and that people can eat local and healthy. And so it was beautiful, like opportunity to visit his city because I've never been. So we're trying to trying to co-direct a little short documentary about that. And I've been starting to write it today to see if we can, because it's also like aligned with what I'm looking for. And I'm sure I'm going to learn a bunch of things that I didn't know yet too. So right. that's exciting. And that's a little project that I'm trying to do. And yeah, so far it's like a lot of questioning. Yeah, it's, it's, we live in, like, it's a hard time we live in with all those fights and all those things happening. It's mm-hmm. like, I feel like our generation just needs to like pick their fights. Like we don't have a choice. Like we can't just leave carefree, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely an interesting time. So for listeners that are, are tuning in today and that want to reach out to you or to see your work, where would you direct them to in terms of your social media or email or website? So there's two things. There's my YouTube channel where you can find all the videos that I made. So there are 10 of them. And also like I have a little presentation of my project on it. It's Nomad Videographer Project. If you type Nomad Videographer Project on YouTube. And then it's the same on Instagram. It's like Nomad with a underscore uh, videographer underscore project. And uh, you can see some pictures of my travel and some stories of that I made during the trip. And yeah. Awesome. Do you have any final message or takeaway you'd like to tell listeners? I feel like it's always a good thing to seek discomfort, as they say, in yes theory, but it's really important to get out of whatever system you're in, which might be the the school system or the study system, like just take a break and do something different. Because mm-hmm. then it, you're going to question everything. And I'm questioning everything, but it's in a good way. Like, I don't want people to think I'm like questioning everything in a bad way. It's like, it's like very enriching. And I think I did it at the right time. But I do think that anyone that has the opportunity at some point in their life to just, you know, like get out of, of the system mm-hmm. and, and see what else is possible, is it's the best thing to do. Yeah, great. Well, it was such a awesome opportunity to hear about your project. And I think it's so cool. I Now I'm inspired to, to try to do something bigger and see, see where it leads. So it was really great uh, being able to chat with you and to hear your story. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember to check out the show notes of the episode where you can find a link to my website, excusestoconnect.com. There, you can find out the other initiatives that I'm working on. The intro and outro music were written by Megan Rennie. You can check out her Instagram and SoundCloud in the show notes. There are also links to leave a voice message, as I'd love to hear from listeners. You can leave a comment or ask a question that might be featured in a future episode. Lastly, there's a link to buy me a coffee. 
This is a website that supports content creators where you can donate some money on a one-time or monthly basis. If you love what I'm doing and want to support, you can buy me a metaphorical coffee. Finding excuses to connect is what I love to do, what I'm good at, and what I think the world needs more of. Consider sharing this podcast with anyone who might benefit from it. I hope you have a wonderful day and make some new connections. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life.